This episode of Control Delete is brought to you by USAA. USAA is passionate about what they do, ensuring the financial security of the military community and their families. And as an employer, USAA creates conditions for employees to succeed. USAA is hiring for customer service reps, designers, developers, insurance, banking, and more. Visit them online and see over 200 jobs available. It's an organization that provides opportunities for you to collaborate, create, and lead. Find your purpose with USAA. Visit usaajobs.com and join the team. Hello, and welcome to Control-Alt-Delete, a podcast on which you can play Snake 2. That intro comes to us from Michael Trapani. It's at That's Logical on Twitter, which is a great, great username, actually. Anyhow, I am Neil Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge. I'm joined, as always, by a friend, Verge executive editor, Recode editor-at-large, Walter Mossberg. How's it going, Walt? Uh, it's going great, Neilai. Um, I understand you're on jury duty. Is that right? Yeah, so I, I got, I'm just going to tell the listener straight out, I have no idea what's going on. I know a lot about the inner workings of the New York State court system uh, because I have been trapped in a in a jury waiting room. I was selected to be on a jury. I, if you've been listening to this show uh, or the Vergecast for a while, I suspect that you feel as I do, which is you don't want me anywhere near the American justice system, let alone on a jury. I totally uh, don't. And for no. some insane reason. The lawyers in this case, after going through voir dire, the jury selection process, decided that I should be on a jury. So Do they know you are a lawyer? I told them. I told them my wife's a lawyer. I, this is actually really funny. I said, my, this, you know, I said, I'm a lawyer. My wife's a lawyer. I said, oh, what kind of lawyer was your wife? And I go, oh, she's a matrimonial t- uh, attorney. And the defense attorney, uh, his older gentleman, goes, that's a tough business. And I was like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. so those billable hours. Yeah. Woo. Oh, I mean, I, I, he just spent like like family and divorce law in general. But it was just such a visceral reaction. Oh, you like this too? Becky switching her office over to Office three sixty five. Hates yeah. it. Hates the whole thing. Might write yeah. a column about it. So <laughs> okay. I'm gonna do what I can. But anyway, I'm on jury duty this week. I spent literally the entire day uh, in the Kings County Courthouse in Brooklyn. So I'm a little behind. Uh, but Red Walt's column yesterday. Walt, you wrote uh, kind of a different kind of column for you. It's a it's a classic Walt. Here's what the hell I want kind of thing. It's not a traditional give review. Me. Yeah, give, <laughs> give me this obvious thing that I want. Uh, but you did a little reporting on it. You talked to some people. You, you, you spoke to Apple about it. But l- let's get into it a little bit. Okay. So here's the deal. Uh, it's kind of a dual thesis. The first part is we have to go back thirty thousand feet. Look at what's been happening to us. Here we are in the year that will mark the 10th anniversary of the iPhone. What has happened? What I think has happened is the PC itself. And by that, I don't I don't mean Windows versus Mac. I mean the personal computer to include the per- everything we might call a personal computer has already changed. And the new PC is your smartphone and to a lesser extent, your tablet. That's your PC. Yeah. That is what the PC is for entire you know, generation of people who did not come of age, even even like you did, and you're a lot younger than me, in a, in a period when a PC basically meant something you had that had a graphical user interface, which is a which is a user interface that that Apple and then later Microsoft popularized, but but way back in the in the early '80s, and it actually was invented before that. Instead, it has the multi-touch interface that was introduced on the, on the iPhone and, and later on Android and other things. It also doesn't have a physical keyboard and a mouse or touchpad, which is what we and many, many people who came of age in computing, who began to really rely on computing, starting, I would say, I mean, I'm just making this up, but maybe in 1990 uh, until around 2007. So, uh, that's the first part. There's a new PC, mm-hmm. and we need to recognize that from already and only growing in the future, this will be what the PC is to people. Do they use what we used to call a PC, the the laptop running Windows or Mac OS? Yes, they do. But do they use it for most of their computing tasks? Right. What, no, you, what you're don't. describing is it's almost like we should change it from personal computer to primary computer, right? Okay. The primary computer is is your phone. 
without your question. Phone. I don't even think it's debatable. And, and in my in my personal case, and I am not in the younger demographic, as you know, uh, I actually am using my iPad as much as I use my laptop. So yeah. maybe I'm unusual in that, but you know, I think it's a close call even for number two with me. Uh, so that's the first thing. The second thing is uh, because I think a lot of this is looking at the interface and the type of apps uh, and the operating systems, which are all so different, I think it's time to consider uh, taking the best thing, or what I think of as the best thing about the old world, which is the, the clamshell hardware, mm-hmm. which has a uh, you know built-in keyboard that could be a really good keyboard if the company does it right, uh, and it can put weight in the base so that you can use it on your lap. And there's a lot of other, it can, has a big screen, which can be super fantastic and all that kind of stuff. And just build one that has nothing. And I mean, nothing, but optimi- op- uh, apps that we know of on our primary computers, phones and tablets, and put optimized versions ones that are optimized for larger screens on a touchscreen clamshell. That is what I think the, the next giant move is. And by the way, I'm not thinking that anything obliterates the last thing totally, certainly not in as short a period as the 10 years we've had the the iOS uh, interface around. Yeah. Uh, but I, so I think other things will continue. The regular Windows laptops and surfaces and all that will continue the Macs with the Mac OS will continue for quite a while the separation in some people's lives that exist today between their phone and the these more traditional devices will continue i'm really talking about an additive thing that i think could be quite fascinating and good and then i go on to talking about why i think the company by far best position to do this is apple and uh, that that was the column, and it is causing a lot of arguments on social <laughs> yes, media today. It is. Every now and again, Walt publishes a column, and I get this flood. I don't know if it's directed at you, but it's always direct, it, it's directed at me in, in large part. Why can't I put a comment on the bottom of this? Because the people want to argue. And Walt, you don't have a column, but I know that you love the social media interaction. So oh, what, I'm, what, I'm arguing with people on Twitter today. What, what, know, what yeah. does that argument look like? Well, there are a couple of arguments. One is the usual thing you see on Twitter, which is people don't read the story. They just read the tweet and then they decide they know enough to argue with you. And that is uh, all about, well, Microsoft, you know, made a tablet with a keyboard, a detachable keyboard first. So isn't that the same thing or isn't that uh, ahead of Apple? And you know, the answer is, of course, it's not the same thing. Neither Microsoft's Surface tablets with detachable keyboards nor Apple's iPad Pros with detachable keyboards, which I repeat, I'm not calling for eliminating them, but they're not the same thing as a well-done uh, clamshell with a permanent keyboard. Uh, the other argument I get is that these are all basically all from Microsoft fans. The other one I get is that the Surface tablet uh, or this uh, it, it is what I'm calling for already, and don't I know it exists? And the point is, if you read the column, I dealt with that, uh, and this is what I believe. I believe that, yes, Microsoft does have tablet-optimized apps in the new style. Uh, it's their take versus Apple's or Google's, but it's it's the same type of thing. And they actually bundle some of them on every Windows computer of any kind that you can get, whether yeah. it's a desk, you know, but they have no critical mass of such apps. Right. And that if you go into a coffee shop or a, just walk down the aisle of an airplane or do anything where you see people using Surface tablets, uh, just anecdotally, in my experience, it's hugely they're doing classic Windows on them mm-hmm. uh, and not these new apps, whereas Apple, well, Apple has 1.3 million of their total two and a half million, whatever apps in their app store are optimized for larger screens up all the way up to the big iPad Pro. And that would certainly encompass uh, a lot of, uh, you know, convenient, smaller laptops, clamshells that could be built. Uh, Android, I also deal with the Android case, which coincidentally we dealt with 
just a week or two ago when we talked about the Chromebook Plus, which is there are as least as many Android apps as there are iOS apps, but there are hardly any that have been op- optimized for larger screens. Yeah. So they look terrible and they work terrible. And when, therefore, when you take these three, Microsoft optimized, but almost none, Google, a zillion, but hardly any optimized, Apple, 1.3 million that are optimized for large screens. It seems to me Apple is the company you have to watch if you're interested in this. Yeah, I, there's like stages of this. I think the the Surface, what Microsoft is doing with touch displays on the traditional PC is sort of the argument for you should add touch to the traditional PC and there's some value there. And I think, you know, Apple is very hesitant, almost ideologically so, on putting a touchscreen on the Mac. That's why they did the touch bar on the new MacBook Pros. Right. I think what Google is doing, I, we've talked about this several times on the show, but Google right now is in this mode of really great ideas, really bad execution. Right. I mean, that's just right. where they are right now. And I, they Although I had a really smart person, not Apple, not yeah. at Apple, say to me, he thought this uh, Chromebook Plus with Android apps was a lot about the Google org chart, meaning the Interesting. F- the efforts to you know combine the Chrome OS and Android teams, which teams, not yeah. not necessarily the OS. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Yeah, I don't I mean, whatever is behind the poor execution and that sort of organizational mess might be behind it. The reality is, they say to the public that us, we have great ideas, and we say that's a great idea, and then they ship you the product, they ship us the product, and you're like, this is bad execution. Or in the case of the Pixel, which I still don't have. They actually never ship you the product, so yeah, that's that's where they are. But I think, but their idea at least is about grafting desktop features onto mobile, right? So, you know, Microsoft's idea is about grafting sort of mobile ideas onto the desktop. Google's idea is about grafting the desktop onto mobile. And what you're saying is Apple should do neither and just bring the hardware form factor of the laptop to mobile, which is a totally different idea. I, I didn't. I didn't explicitly say this in the column and I didn't partly because of length because I have a really hard ass editor, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I actually have a theory, which I have no stats to prove. This is yeah. just a gut, a gut theory that particularly when you talk about college students and high school students, you know, one of the things that happens is either they, their teachers or their families say, okay, we know you are a wizard at Android or iOS. We, you might, we, you probably actually have an iPad somewhere in your house and you're a wizard at that too. And I say, by the way, I say iPad because I just think, I don't know of a really good Android tablet. Uh, and the Windows tablets tend to be run classic Windows. So I don't think of them in the same category. Uh, they are tablets, but they don't run a lot. There aren't, just aren't enough tablet apps. So what happens is the teachers, the families, whoever say, now you're going to high school or especially now you're going to college, you need a laptop. Yeah. You need a clamshell to do your work. I don't think you do need a clamshell to do your work. I work every day on an iPad Mm -hmm. uh, along with my phone, along with my uh, uh, laptops, but I work heavily on an iPad and I don't just consume content. I do consume content on it. There's nothing wrong with that, but I do other things. And a lot of it has to do with work, including uh, writing columns or at least yeah. editing columns, all, all that. You and I do this collaborative editing thing, which is a lot of fun. And <laughs> sometimes I'm he doing that. sarcastically. No, it is fun. It actually is fun. Yeah, I and, and And sometimes I do it on an iPad instead mm-hmm. of a laptop. Just whatever's, I find myself, whatever's handy, I pick up and do it on. Yeah. So. Here's what I think. I think that it's the form factor of the hardware of yes. the clamshell that makes it attractive, more attractive even than a de- – there are some things that are attractive about a thing with a detachable keyboard, and that is – you know, has to do with you can turn it into a pure tablet if you want, quickly, whatever. You don't have to have the keyboard all the time, but there's this sense, rightly or wrongly, this, this is what you use – when you need to do real work. Yeah. And so what I'm saying is, hey, we have this whole 
new generation of people for whom the personal computer or the primary computer, to use your phrase, is not the software that runs on the clamshell. Why not take the clamshell, which is the thing that people seem to like to do whatever, and put the software, the, the user experience, the apps that they love and know how to use and use all day and just put them on there. Yeah. And that was basically what the con was about. And it did confuse people, hopefully not most people. I did get some people, a lot of people saying they liked the column or they thought it was interesting. But, you know, because Microsoft is doing something that superficially could look like that, mm-hmm. um, I got pushback from some, not a lot, but a few Microsoft. Well, Microsoft has taken two cuts at this, right? The right. first one was Windows RT. On right. The, and that was a mess. I think we just agree. That was not a ready-for-prime-time idea. Right. Although I actually think it was a good idea if done somewhat differently and if they stuck with it. But that's – we can talk about that if we, you I, want. I think we should talk about it. And, and they've recently you know, made this big move about running Windows apps on ARM. And you, know, you can see how they'll, yeah, but they'll get there again. Yeah, classic Windows right. app. They, they want to run Win32 apps that have been around but for that, 25 uh, years on ARM. But I would tell you that that is – that's where they're going to get the – hey, you can buy this computer and it will serve enough of your needs. Because they certainly don't have the mobile app inventory to do that. No, they don't. Right? So they, they need to bring you along somehow. And they need to say, you can throw away your laptop and buy this new thing. Your old apps will be there. But developers, you're going to want to build new style apps for this new kind of – I mean, that's well, a well, classic well, sort well, of well, Microsoft. Well, I say the latter part of that or not. But I do believe one thing is true. And I, I did try to stage this in the column. And I, I believe in it. The first step – and the step that got me thinking about this whole column, because it's happening, uh, is the idea of moving everything to ARM. And again, it doesn't mean Intel goes away or gets thrown out. Intel might even respond in a way that makes them highly relevant and better than ARM, whatever. Competition is a good thing. But one of the, re- one of the things that we saw, uh, two of the things that we saw happen was Google put a traditional clamshell laptop running a newer than Windows and Mac, but still, I think, becoming ever more traditional with every year operating system, Chrome OS, on an ARM machine, and it ran really fast. And we know why Dieter went and investigated. Dieter Bone, this is our Dieter Bone reference. He went and investigated and found out they've kind of put their seal of approval on a certain type of ARM chip. ARM processor and it, you know, they set requirements for that matched up with Chrome OS and that's why it works so well. Uh, so that happened and then the Microsoft thing happened and then we don't, Apple has said nothing, which mm-hmm. doesn't mean a, a damn thing. I mean, you yeah. know, we're, it's super common for Apple to say nothing. But you and I know that Apple, of all these companies, actually is probably the best positioned if it wanted to to make ARM laptops because Apple has an entire chip design company yep. that they bought but have long since integrated inside the company that has had a record of pretty fantastic success in driving high-resolution screens and high-power processes on things like uh, iPad Pros and, and, and iPhones uh, with ARM chips. They yeah. get better and better and better and better, and that you and I have both said, and I said again in this column, run rings around the Intel chip that they're using on their uh, uh, small MacBook. Yeah. So uh, I, uh, you know, the, so the first step is if you want what I'm calling for, which is a clamshell that can run these kind of apps that are the primary computing style for young people on a clamshell. You first have to have the clamshell run on ARM. You can do emulation, but mm-hmm. you really want ARM. So the first thing is we've begun to see it happen. The execution hasn't been great. Microsoft, we have to wait and see. I think Apple will do this. This episode of Control Walt Delete is also brought to you by Vivint Smart Home. Not long ago, the term smart home simply meant a remote controlled home. But now there's a company that's worthy of the intelligence that the title smart home implies, Vivint Smart Home. 
As the number one smart home provider in the United States, Vivint Smart Home is already used by more than a million customers and counting. With all the smart cameras you'll need from indoor, doorbell, and outdoor wireless security cameras to smart thermostats, locks, and voice-controlled Amazon Echo, you won't believe how many unexpected conveniences Vivint offers. Whether you're traveling or in the middle of a busy day, you can easily adjust your thermostat, lock, and unlock your doors, check the live feed of your cameras, all right from your phone on Vivint's 4.5-star rated app. Best of all, you get award-winning, around-the-clock professional security monitoring, which may help you qualify for a 15 to 20% discount on your homeowner's insurance premiums. And with Vivint's free customized smart home consultations and free professional installation, getting a smart home is simple and easy. With all the benefits that the Vivint smart home and security system offers, it's no wonder they are the number one smart home services provider in the United States. Go to vivint.com slash Walt to learn more. That's V-I-V-I-N-T dot slash Walt. Well, I want to get into why you think they should have stuck with Windows RT. Let's let's do that, and then uh, then there's the there's a long Apple part that I think there's going to be a lengthy Dieter Bone digression about why he thinks the 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 standard kind of Mac OS and Windows environment is better. He wrote about this week. Steven Sanofsky actually tweeted at us regarding it today, which was pretty funny. Um, uh, he tweeted Dieter a picture of a, a super cheesy hot rod and saying some people <laughs> like to make their own decisions. Uh, well, that's. But that's true. That's, that's fine. true. I mean, there's a reason. We don't have to but uh, but, we'll, we'll, we'll but, but, but it won't be as long a digression as you think. But I, yeah, let's talk about Windows RT. Yeah. So, so by the way, Stephen Sanofsky was the guy who did Windows RT. Yeah. And we should explain that Stephen Sanofsky used to be the head of Office for many years, and he actually uh, kind of revi- redesigned and revitalized Office with the help of of a woman who's still at Microsoft named Julie Larson Green, who's mm-hmm. a very smart designer. And uh, and then he was the the was it called the president? No, I don't know. He was the head of Windows. Yeah. Uh, when they did a, a very unsuccessful with the public version called Windows Eight, which was actually an attempt to force modern uh, tablet type apps onto Windows, but didn't for whatever set of reasons wasn't able to just yeah. say just do these and this doesn't have classic. Apps. Um, also, he was also in charge of Windows 7, which was very popular. And then he did and Windows very, 7. And then he, b- before that, he bailed them out of the Windows. So they had yeah. bookend. They had Windows Vista, and then they had Windows 8, and both were big, huge yeah. messes. And Sanofsky was brought in to save them from the Vista mess, and he did. He built yeah. Windows 7, which was is not that different from Windows 10 that we have now. There's yeah. some differences. Uh, and in the middle, he did Windows 8, which was an attempt to get really radical, probably before its time. Yeah. Uh, so during that period, he made or he was instrumental, I think, in making convincing Steve Ballmer to make their first computer, their first mm-hmm. computing hardware. And that was the Surface line that we now know of, which does not sell in huge numbers compared to you know Lenovo or or Apple or any of the any of the traditional hardware makers but it's there and it's beloved by yeah. some people and the first one he brought out was uh was based on arm they brought that out for a very specific reason they wanted to encourage and support apps of the type that were already on iOS and Android. You gotta remember they had already failed at phones. They didn't quite know it yet. They weren't quite all done with it yet, but they had already failed on phones. So they did not have a storehouse, as you said a few minutes earlier, of these apps. So he built a tablet running on ARM that at least offered the opportunity for that. And he built in, because it was in Windows 8, he built in uh, these full screen, modern touch tablet type apps. But because it was on ARM, it couldn't run classic Windows, but they hardwired uh, basically Microsoft Office, Mm -hmm. classic Microsoft Office, because Microsoft had not yet built an ARM version of Office for Windows. They had built it for iOS, and that's a great story, which I don't know the full story of, but I think it was kind of almost a semi-rogue operation somewhere. And it's actually very good for iOS, and now it's very good on Android, but they had not built it yet for Windows. The mistake, I think they made at least two mistakes. There may have been more uh, in that tablet. That tablet was a failure, as we've said, Mm -hmm. big failure. Uh, The next one that came along uh, ran on an Intel processor, was able to take all the classic Windows apps 
because the RT could not. It could only, they hardwired it to take office and some of the utilities, but it could not, you could not take your favorite third-party yeah. Windows app and run. The way I think about it is they took Windows and they tried to make an iPad out of it and they just didn't have all the pieces in place. Right. right. So here's the mistake. It, I think there actually are some simple things they could have changed that would have given it a chance. One is they could have presented the classic Windows apps in their in full screen, uh, essentially their own full screen windows. Yeah. Instead of presenting what they did, which was a desktop with a taskbar, which gave everyone the illusion that this was running classic Windows. And when they found out they couldn't put a classic Windows app, they were pissed Yes, uh, uh, on it. Uh, I think that was, a, that was a mistake. I also think naming it Windows RT, which was a stupid name, a very technical. <laughs> the naming a- around all of this stuff, you just said uh, modern apps. They started yeah. with Metro. Much better name. Much better name. They got sued by a German grocery store called yeah. Metro. And poor Microsoft didn't have enough money. Yeah. To, <laughs> I used to, uh, uh, Frank Shaw, who's the, the excellent, wonderful head of comms at Microsoft, yeah. I used to send him notes all the time saying, why don't you just pay the grocery store? And he I said, it's more complicated. It. Yeah, buy the grocery store. It's a great business. Another billion or, dollar business for Microsoft. German produce. Uh, but they, so they went to Metro, they went Metro, then they went to Modern, and then yeah. something happened where they couldn't, they didn't want to use Modern anymore. And now it's just kind of nothing. Now it's called Universal or yeah. Windows 10 or something. Yeah. But the point is, and then the other thing is, I think they should have stuck with it. Yeah. Uh, there, because without getting into it, there were also some company politics. There were company politics through the whole thing. They came to a head. Sonofsky left in, I think, less than perfectly amicable circumstances on both sides. And all new people were brought in and, uh, you know, it's like old regimes go out. Yes. Ten seems to want to do everything differently. This will one day happen at The Verge, probably. Uh, <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I'm tired, man. I'm a yeah. professional jury sitter now. It's uh, I, well, I got all new I know. It'll happen. <laughs> I'm expecting it to happen. So, uh, you know, that's not. A knock on Microsoft, it would yeah. happen at Google, it would happen at Apple, it would happen at Facebook, sure. whatever. It's just the way human organizations are. It's happening in the federal government right now. So I think, uh, I honestly think if they had stuck with that tablet and figured out a way to encourage people to write apps, modern, metro, whatever you want to call them, apps, and just openly said, look, this runs Office until we can get a modern slash metro version of Office, but didn't show the desktop and and were very clear, much clearer than they were, that it, you couldn't run. I, I don't think they ever lied, by the way. I just don't think they made as yeah. big a deal of it that you couldn't run classic Windows apps on it. I think if they had had a second or third rev of that, it might have helped. Now, they had one hand tied behind their back that that Google and Apple did not have, which is they did not have a, phone app base to start with. Yep. And the so now we move on to the behavior of, of Google and Apple, who did have a big phone uh, app base, which is, ru- I think Google's is actually a little bigger now, but it's roughly similar. It's two mm-hmm. and a half million, somewhere in there. Uh, Google never came up, even though they kept promising for years. Dieter put it at five years when he reviewed the yeah. Chromebook Plus. I couldn't remember how many years because Dieter's got a better memory than me, I guess. But the point is, the Google kept promising to do some tablet optimization work in their SDK that would have made it easy for people to do it, and they didn't do it. Uh, Apple did, which is why they have – it was partly because they, Apple had a very profitable, successful tablet line. For all the declines in the sales of the iPad, Apple's still the world leader by about 10 percentage points over Samsung from the research I saw when I was preparing this column. And if you talk about tablets over $250 or $300, whatever the number is, they're like the vast majority. And uh, it's probably still a profitable business. I think it, the revenue on it is still is higher than the Mac yeah. for them. And but you, they, they you got, made uh, an interesting point in the column that, you know, it was just MWC, the big announcement from Samsung at MWC, besides the Galaxy S8 just leaking out, which yeah. did. But the big actual 
planned announcement from Samsung was the new Tab S3, which looks, for all intents and purposes, exactly like an iPad Pro, right? It's got four speakers. It's got a detachable keyboard. And you were saying the form factor... And it's got got a stylus that looks kind of like... It looks more like the Apple Pencil than it looks like... Vlad is in love with this thing. It actually looks like a pencil. They licensed the pencil design from Sadler. So they've converged, right? The, The form factor of the premium tablet has converged on tablet, detachable keyboard, stylus, right? They, Microsoft builds that thing. Um, Samsung builds that thing. Apple builds that thing. And I think what what you're saying is there's a reason it's converged there. People want the keyboard. They like this pen idea. There's, there's opportunity there. But the next big opportunity is just replace your laptop. Like that thing may not be able to replace the traditional clamshell laptop for people. Why not take its elements? You've already got them there and just build the next piece of hardware that people want. Yeah, that's a pretty good way of saying, uh, saying of summarizing what it is I was writing about. And I, so I, here's what I think. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think there will be ARM-based laptops, clamshell laptops that run the classic traditional OSs or some Frankenstein version of the classic OSs with yeah. some of these tablet apps. And, or, that, and that's uh, where Google's going. And, uh, which is good, where Google was hoping to go, <laughs> but because they don't really have tablet app optimized apps and because there were a lot of other bugs. And it, by the way, it is in beta. The Android part of this is in beta. Uh, it was pretty much a miserable failure in its first iteration. We'll see. Microsoft, uh, Microsoft as we've already said, just doesn't have the the, the base of these apps. Yeah. So it, it falls back on its greatest strength, which is uh, classic Windows, which has millions of apps, by the way, although I don't think there's a lot of activity in new or updated versions of those apps compared to the... Yeah, because the, the market, the addressable market of iPhone apps is a lot easier. I mean, and we've talked about the App Store a lot, but putting an, an app into the App Store, marketing it, and getting people to download it is still easier than trying to solve the Windows software distribution puzzle, right? I mean... well the- but here's the difference also is going to start a Windows app store. No, there is a Windows store, um, but the well, or, the, it's there. It's just not nearly as stocked or trafficked or used right. as the as the iOS app store. The difference, and we have talked about this a, a bunch on the store, you can actually make a lot more money selling software directly to consumers on both Windows and the Mac. So there's a developer piece of this here too, which is if you're gonna build a new style laptop form factor that runs iOS or Android or one of these modern operating systems, you've got to build some facility for the developers who rely on your platform to make far more money than any of them are making on these platforms now. And I would I would point out that for all of its stubbornness, well, I'd point out two things. First of all, you got to get on your time machine and go back to 2007 when the iPhone came out. Or I'm sorry, 2008. One year later, when the when the App Store came out, uh, Apple announced a 30 70 cut, 30 percent for them, 70 percent for the developers, and the room erupted. The room of developers yeah. erupted in cheers. Why? Because getting on the older cell phones, which were controlled by the carriers, the carriers kept 90 percent. Yep, not 30 percent. So Apple's initial deal, which today seems like they're keeping too much was hugely welcomed at the time by the very same developers since what 18 months ago i could have the timing wrong maybe less than a year ago i don't know since phil schiller went and took over the app store and tried to change some things they've tried to change it so that if you have an app that is paid for by subscription which is what they're encouraging after the first year apple's cut drops by half to 15%. If they ever built a clamshell like I'm talking about, you could be right that they might have to go down to, I don't know, to 10% or yeah. nothing. They might have to allow side loading. I don't know. But I want to go to Dieter's yeah. point because I don't want to forget it. So there is a counter argument, uh, and that's why I don't think we're all going to go one way or all going to go the other way or one thing's going to totally replace the other. It just, you know, doesn't happen. It doesn't happen in almost anything uh, in technology or consumer electronics. We still have radio. It's just that the 
format of radio is not what the format of radio was in the 1930s. So Dieter wrote a very good column, I thought, ver- in kind of in the genre of verge at work, yeah. where he uh, talked about utilities for his menu bar on his Mac mm-hmm. that help him to customize his Mac the way he wants and get to functions that may already be on the Mac, but buried somewhere in the system preferences or somewhere else quickly on his menu bar. And he has so many that he actually has two rows, one of which is hidden. I mean, he's a maniac. You know, he's a maniac. He's a beloved, yeah. he, he's our <laughs> beloved maniac. But, but there, he represents, a, a, you know, a significant, I would have, I would say minority, yeah. particularly on the Mac side of, of people. There's a, maybe a larger minority on the Windows side, but it, it's, it's not nothing. It's not yeah. nobody. And it matters. In fact, I will confess right here and now that I have a bunch of utilities yep. on my uh, Mac menu bar. And I slacked him uh, <laughs> a couple of hours ago to tell him about one I knew of that I didn't think he knew of. And he didn't know. Wait, of which it. one's that? It's it's actually made by Parallels, which is the company that uh, is better known for making the uh, the emulator that run, allows you to run Windows on a Mac. Yeah. And it's called Parallels Toolbox, and it costs $10 a year. Oh, my God. And it's one icon that drops down into a window that has maybe, I don't know, count them, but it looks like 15 utilities in it, and they add utilities for, for no extra yeah. cost during the year. And so if you're the kind of person like Dieter, and I admit me, I'm not quite as far (laughs) along as Dieter on this, you get a whole bunch of utilities without taking up, you don't really need two rows in the the menu bar. So if the primary computer app style and operating system and UX style that is on your Android phone is on your, your iPhone, and Android allows more tinkering, but neither allows as much tinkering as a traditional PC or Mac, if that's going to go on a clamshell, some people like Dieter may not make that their primary device because it's not as customizable. And if they made it more customizable, I think that they would be moving away from some of the things that make the all sealed up, all right there, uh, uh, mode of computing that is represented by the smartphone and the tablet less attractive. So this is it actually leads right into a conversation that Dieter and I had right after he published his piece, and we, I was talking to him about your piece as we were editing it. There is another way that Apple could go that you reference in your piece. I think we all strongly suspect they might. They've at least probably tried this out. You have been talking about the thing you want, which is basically a traditional laptop form factor running iOS, right? The right. other way they could go is they could take out the slow Intel processor in the current little MacBook, replace it with the A9X, which is very powerful, or whatever. Or the you, A, whatever they the call A15, it. The A15, wherever they go. The A10Z, wherever yeah. they are. Um, yeah. And run Mac OS on it. Standard, straight up, yeah. here's a Mac OS computer running OS ten. And Dieter said, if they do that, what I'm worried about is that they'll lock it down so that you can't install apps on the side, you can't customize it, the apps have to come through the Mac App Store. Why did you worry about that? Because that, I mean, that feels because like wait, a, Because, wait a minute, I should remind you, and I don't yeah. need to remind you, and I especially don't need to remind Dieter, that they uh, they changed out the processor right. on the Mac once before, and they didn't lock it down anymore no, no, than I, it was. Right, but down. I think if you make this move, you say... This is the the next evolution of macOS in this way, right? The the pro computer is going to be wide open. Hopefully, they'll release a new one. Tim Cook actually said he thinks there's a lot of innovation left in quote the pro area this week um, yeah. at the shareholders meeting. But this feels like the if there is such a thing as an in between step between the MacBook and the iPad, moving the MacBook to ARM and releasing a version of macOS that operates much more like iOS in terms of, you know, it's more secure because you can't customize it. Apps come through the Mac App Store. That It's got that kind of ecosystem around it. So he and I, he, you know, he's like, that's the concern. I don't know that they can do that for 
precisely the developer related reasons that we talked about just a, a few yeah, minutes ago. Yeah, I don't know that they can I, do I don't it think and- I don't think Mac developers in particular are going to get excited about that at this Look, point in time. Even if they stayed, mm-hmm. even if they didn't do ARM, and yeah. I do think they're going to do ARM. Again, I see it more as less as a middle ground and more as a first step. They may have actually rejected the idea that I talked about, which doesn't mean they won't come back to it. They may be undecided about that idea. There may be a big fight about that idea. I don't know. But it's one thing is certain. The first step is to do ARM on a traditional clamshell. And for that, today, it would be Mac OS. I don't think putting ARM on it would necessarily lead to locking down anymore because they've already, with Intel-based Macs, desktop and laptop, uh, I don't remember how many years ago this was, but they've tried to lock it down by basically trying to encourage everybody to sell their apps through a Mac app store. Yep. Uh, we talked about the Windows one, which is which was long after they had done the iOS app store. And, you know, they did allow some leeway for you to buy apps that didn't come through there, but you had to, you know, to click OK on this thing that said, hey, this app you're trying to download is probably a horrible criminal <laughs> app, you know, really right. written by ISIS over in Mosul <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, or dialogue box are getting very political, <laughs> you know, it comes straight from Moscow or whatever. You know. So don't do it yeah. uh, unless you've read this and click OK. So they're already, you know, I mean, I do it. Uh, where yeah. I know the developer. Uh, well, I think uh, developers and- sign their apps in a specific way that box doesn't yeah. pop up. But the Mac App Store, I mean, the, uh, just in the past uh, few weeks even, there have been developer blog posts saying, we pulled our app from the Mac App Store, and we're actually making more money selling fewer units yeah. because we're not paying a cut to Apple. Right, so well, developers have know, not App- been happy with this. Apple is a struggling company. Yeah. It has hardly any revenues, hardly <laughs> any profits. Hardly any cash on hand. I mean, come on. Yeah. Uh, look, obviously, they can fix that problem very easily. I mean, I don't think it would be – to say it would not be material right. in their earnings is a joke. I mean, right. it, it, it's it, – they could fix it very easily. Yeah. I, I but think I, all, all I'm saying is going to ARM – I think what Dieter might be saying, and I didn't have the conversation you had with mm-hmm. him or the conversations, but I, I think what he might be thinking is, okay – by putting Mac OS on ARM, it becomes more similar to the way they operate on their other ARM devices, which yeah. is which are much more locked down. And, you know, that might be true. Well, it's it's also a way to get developers to address, right, to move their application. Here's a big new market. It's a big new Apple product. It's the MacBook. It's different. It, you know, the battery life will be ages long. Uh, new processor, fancy, fancy. Hey, developers, if you want access to this, you've got to come in through the Mac App Store, which means we can make you write native code for the ARM processor instead of emulating the Intel processor, which is still going to be slower. It's just always going to be slower. So there's like a reason. There's an incentive to do that. Yes. I think that's that's like one way. That's one proposed middle ground, right? And it would. It's a middle ground, but it's also an open opening the door. This laptop I'm talking about, I wouldn't even call it a Mac. Uh, I I, I don't know what I. I wouldn't call it an iPad. I'd call it something. I don't know what. They're Uh, pretty good. MacPad. Yeah. Yeah, Somebody somebody on Twitter (laughs) called it the MacPad today. It would be incredible if they called it an iMac. By the way, (laughs) (laughs) just confuse everyone. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think, don't know. I think the real yeah, I'll leave the naming up to them. They're a little little better at naming than Microsoft, yeah. but we'll see. I don't know. I so anyway, but I think this is a big big deal that the primary computer, the PC, the personal computer, whatever you want to call it, is if you think about it, what what is the most used computer? It's not the thing you you have in front of you right now. It's not the thing I have in front of me right now. And by the way, we could be doing this podcast on iPads, and I think it would be fine. Well, you know, it's fun. It, it, the only reason I have this computer in front of me right now is so tell that the, if, tell the people what it is. Uh, I have a 15 inch MacBook Pro, not the new one, my old one with all of its beautiful ports and slowly decaying battery. And I'm and never giving stickers. up. And beautiful, beautiful verge stickers, but. 
I have this. The only reason it's here, and this actually goes to your form factor point, it's here so that if you know all hell breaks loose at the verge, someone can message me, so that Andrew can tell me, our producer Andrew can tell me when we're like running out of time or I need to say something. Um, but well, Andrew could tell you that on an iPad. No, he could. But the reason it's my phone is sitting here too. You could do all that on my phone. But literally, the form factor of this laptop here right now means that the screen is pointing up at me. Right, I opened it and it's looking at me, and that is really valuable. And I know you can do it with an iPad. I know you could do it with a Surface, but not having to monkey with the kickstand and the folding means that I prefer to carry this thing around. I could take an iPad and stand it up using Apple's just plain overpriced case, yeah, or cover, not even yeah. the one with the keyboard, and stand it up vertically and you know, bring up the software keyboard when necessary. No, and tap. I, I, I'm not saying I could have, sl- and, I, and by the way, I could split the screen. I could have this running on, uh, or on three quarters of the screen, Slack running on a like little part of the screen. It's not. Yeah, no, I'm not. Look, I'm not. I'm saying you could do that. I could, I could do this on iPad. I could do it with a, a Surface. I could do it with a Pixel C, although that would be this form of self-torture. Uh, there's like a lot of devices that you could do that with. I'm saying just when I was walking into this room, I need a display in front of me. The fastest and simplest way to get a display vertically in front of me such that if something happens and it needs to get my attention is to open a laptop. And that is, I think, going to be powerful forever, right? It's just a good form factor. There's a reason it exists. Just as you were saying in your column, there's a reason the premium tablet form factor has converged. That's also a good idea. But they're not the same idea, and there's a reason that I think laptops will always be around. The question is, what operating system are they going to run? Yeah, that's why the the deck on my column says, pay attention to the software and Apple. I think the people that are all excited about the Surface are paying a lot of attention to the hardware. And, of course, both are important, but I think the hardware is the easier part. I think the, the question is... Do you kind of swallow and say, let's take the old, beloved hardware we're still selling and put the new, beloved software we're selling more of onto it? Yeah. And my, my answer to that is yes, please, as soon as possible. <laughs> and Google is doing it. So at least one of the platform companies is doing it. I think, as we've discussed yeah, uh, you know there there are issues there, and the one company best positioned to do it in a big way says, as usual, nothing. Yeah. So yeah, you've got a great question. I said you talked to Apple at the top of the show, but that was a little bit of a tease because you asked them and they just said, "No, we're not talking about that." <laughs> it was a great right. quote. You're like, I asked them as usual, they said nothing. Yeah. Um, but you know the the Microsoft side of it, I, I'm just going to keep coming back to it. I, the thing that they're doing with Windows 10 and their Surface line, trying to show the world that they can extend the platform, that they can extend the interaction model, uh, is really interesting. I think the Surface Studio, that big desktop that folds down yeah, into great. a canvas, is a really I mean, smart I haven't idea. used it, but it seems great, yeah. Yeah, no, it, and it's like a beautiful thing. Whenever people see it, they want to stop and play with it because it just invites you. There's a lot of opportunities to do a lot of different kinds of things. But the big opportunity, I think, as you said, is for better or worse, the platform for work feels – or the hardware form factor for work feels like a laptop. It feels like you fold it up and you start typing on a keyboard that's not going away. And if Apple or Google or Microsoft or whoever wants what is our primary operating system to become the -the all-the-time operating system, they need to bring it to this form factor in some serious way. Yeah. I just don't know – I. I'm far more confident that Apple will do that with Mac OS in some way because that feels like their laptop thing. But I mean, gonna, they'll, they'll do an ARM. Yeah, they'll an do an ARM. ARM. I mean, I was using, uh, when I was sitting in the jury duty room today, uh, I was using the little MacBook that I have because uh, I didn't want to carry this monster and this battery dies so fast. Uh, and I thought to myself, man, this thing is basically the size of an iPad. There's nothing, there's nothing about this that says it shouldn't run right. a totally different operating system. There's nothing about this experience that screams, I have to use the Mac. I was basically flipping back and forth between Slack and a web browser and a little bit of Twitter. Exactly. But, yeah. And, and, and you know, Dieter, if he did another guest drop in here, would be saying, oh, I have 16 windows 
open and I can't do that on iOS or Android. And the truth is most people, most of us don't have 16 windows open, or right. if we do, we, we can't see them. They're just open because we for, forgot to close them. I'm now looking at you in, I mean, I have two things open here. One is locally recording this uh, and one is Slack, mm -hmm. I mean, uh, uh, Skype. And uh, I have other windows open behind it, one of which is Slack, one of which is a browser, one of which is an email program. And, and by the way, if you have an iPad Pro and you have the keyboard or a third party, like a Logitech Create keyboard, you can do Alt-Tab on that just yeah. like you can do on Windows and uh, or Command Tab on the Mac, but uh, or Alt Tab on Windows, and you can see all the things that are open and quickly switch. There's a and Android has a lovely dedicated, you know, this Chromebook had a lovely dedicated key that let you see everything open. Uh, you can, they, these things are all doable on those newer yeah. OSs. Yeah, that's it. They have to Alt Tab and an iPad with a keyboard involves like a pretty slow animation of windows flipping around like it's not there yet in the way that it seems fast and seamless and professional like a mac for that for that particular use um, but i want to ask you about one line just as we kind of wind up here um you said this would revitalize the ipad and i think you in parentheses at least the, the edit that i remember it said not that it needs it i think the question is i know you know they, they still sell the most their sales are dropping because people like them they keep them for a long time do you think it needs and, – and now they're running ads for the iPad Pro that show a lot of the use cases that you're talking about, right? The split screen, they got messages. They're actually great ads. But do you think this product needs a boost and like a resurgence of interest like this or this operating system? Or is this just the thing that you want? Well, look, uh, as always, we should know that note that we don't own any stock in these companies, including right. Apple. Um, so on one level – Eh, I don't care. But um, <laughs> yeah. But if I were them, or if I, or if I were Warren Buffett, who apparently just now owns like three percent of Apple, yeah, uh, I would, uh, yeah, I would want this thing to have a, a boost. And I think we we believe uh, they're about to uh, actually bring out at least one, and maybe more than one new iPad Pro. Yeah. So they're certainly continuing to work on it. Uh, they think it has a future in enterprise, and yet the sales keep falling. Uh, so, uh, yeah. I mean, look, right now, first of all, this thing, according to uh, Mary Meeker, who uh, is a very was a very smart analyst, now she's a venture capitalist, but she still does this State of the Internet report every year. She now does it at the Code Conference, our conference. She says the iPad in its first year or two, was the fastest takeoff consumer electronics device ever. Right. Faster than the smartphone, faster than the PC, faster than the DVD player, any of these things. I checked public sources, because of course Apple won't give you the number, the other day, and it was like 350 million iPads have been sold. They're still selling in an average quarter, and this is way down, by the way, but they're still selling 9 or 10 million of them at a reasonably high price uh, every quarter. If your entire company was selling a product with those kind of margins in those kind of volumes every quarter, you'd have a pretty good company. Yeah. So it's it's not that it's terrible, uh, but I think it could. Uh, I, you know, I honestly, it's just Mossberg's belief yeah. that if you put iPad apps and, and considered a clamshell iPad without a detachable keyboard or screen, just a clamshell, not something that turned, flipped around to become a thick, heavy tablet or any of this stuff. And it was part of the iPad family instead of part of the Mac family, and so you countered it in the iPad sales. I think it could it could resuscitate iPad sales. I yeah. do. I think there'd be a lot of interest in that. I, You know, this, this kind of all ladders up to kind of the, the big question, which is where is Apple's focus and where is where are they pushing their product lines outside uh, of the iPhone, right? Like, yeah. you know the iPhone is, they have to, you know, it's their business. It's the biggest part of their business. It's, you can shower it with praise, you can shower it with criticism, but it is an absolute monster in this industry. 
So obviously they care about that, and they're going to iterate that, and they're going to push that. I think we're, there's been a lot of rumors this week. Of course, you know everyone else is announcing phones, so there's Apple rumors to counter it. So I, I love that game, but you know there's rumors there's going to be a, a big one and a small one and an OLED one. They're going to push that product. We know it. Where are they pushing the rest of their line? Right? Is it going to be the Mac? Is it going to be the iPad? Is it? Are they going to invent you know yet another thing for the Apple Watch that makes it something totally different? It's unclear to me where who is thinking about these other product lines in a way that has big ideas beyond just iterating them, right? And I think that is, on one level, Apple is better at iterating their products slowly and steadily than any other company. On the other hand, it might be time for a leap, like the one you're describing. And it's it's curious to me who's responsible for that leap. It's totally clear to me that it's time for a bigger leap. I am confused as to how much emphasis they are putting on these other products. And I, I do believe they are hard at work, but they're hardly the only one, but they're hard at work in a serious, serious way on augmented reality. Yeah. I don't know whether that's in the phone. I don't know whether it's in a pair of glasses that are <laughs> actually wearable, that don't look like goggles, or both, or first one and then the other. I don't know. I think they're at work on that. We all know or think we know that they're at work on car software at least, but I don't know. Um, and I certainly think this thing I'm talking about is, it would be a leap, but it would it's a very doable leap, I think. Yeah. It's, not, it's not like, oh, we're gonna go into a business we've never been in before. They're in both the software, the business of the software I'm talking about, they've got it in their hands. Yeah. And the business of the hardware that I'm talking about. They've got it in their hands. I'm not saying there's not work. There's probably plenty of work in making <laughs> the two of them work together properly. Uh, I'm really am not. I mean, I pointed out in the column, there are trade-offs. You have to make a bunch of trade-offs and you have to think hard about how you want this user interaction to be. But it's not, in, in one hand, it's a leap. It would be, we'd write about it forever, for days, for weeks. If they did it, we everybody would track the sales of it. Every, there'd be, it'd be giant ad campaigns, whatever. On the other hand, uh, it's not a leap like building a car. So to me, it seems like a logical thing for them to do. Yeah. I have to say the car thing is totally tangent. Every company in Silicon Valley played with cars, right? Google literally said they were going to build one. They showed one off. Apple, they spun off a company called Waymo, which is another terrible name. A lot of terrible names on the show today. Uh, Apple did its whole Project Titan. They spun it up, and then reports are they spun it down. It it just seems like that was everyone chased it, and they realized it was a lot harder than they thought, and they pulled back from it. Um, that's just well, that, they they pulled back to say we're good at making the software for the car. Yeah, it's just it's and, just fascinating to me. And you, Ford, are good at making the car. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's just a thing. Like these companies are are very brash and bold, and they they walked into something that I think was a lot more complicated and hard than right. I assumed. Uh, anyhow, sadly, we were out of time. That was we got into it today. There was Steven Sanofsky was on the sh like the whole it was a whole thing. Like literally the whole universe of things that we've been talking. Yeah, pe about. People are saying who who is there googling Steven Sanofsky? <laughs> right Do you know? I, it was like a fun. It was like a, a really fun jokey Twitter exchange that I had with Steven this morning. Um, it ended up. It ended up with jo just jokes about whether Batman runs Linux. Sometimes Twitter will surprise you. Anyway, uh, I'm going. I'm going right after we sign off. I'm <laughs> yeah, going to read was, that. It was really something. But I, I had an iMessage exchange with Stephen, but it, that wasn't. You really didn't. You didn't get fun. to Batman's platform of choice. Well, Stephen loves his iPad, so he. What he was saying is, this is actually you can use an iPad like a laptop. It's interesting that after leaving Microsoft, he's become such a proponent of the iPad. But I think that's what he wanted to build. Anyhow, that's our show for the week. There are lots of other things to listen to. Uh, Dieter and I host The Vergecast. I don't know if you know this. We have been waging an all-out social media assault on FCC Chairman Ajit Pai uh, to come on The Vergecast. Um, we'll see if he does it. But Let me help you here. Yeah, hit him up. Everyone with a social media account, <laughs> I don't care where it is. Honestly, it could be on it could be on MySpace. I don't get care him on where Yammer. It is. Get, get up get on, on on AIM. I don't care where it is. I, I want you to I want you to do a post saying Agit 
come on the Vergecast, and I yeah. want to call into that Vergecast. You I should be there. It's, it's 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 a thing. Um, we have been covering the hell out of that. So, but he's on a tear. So we, we Jake Kastrakis actually has been doing the brunt of the actual reporting work here. So there, there's just a lot happening. But Dieter and I host the Vergecast. You can listen to that. I'm sure we're going to talk about the FCC tomorrow. But again, I have jury duty, so there's going to be a lot of explaining to me what the hell went on. Lauren Good, who's wonderful, hosts Too Embarrassed to Ask on the Recode side. Uh, Kara Swisher hosts Recode Decode, which is also wonderful. And Peter Kafka hosts Recode Media, which I think we have mentioned many, many times on the show now, and you should listen to it every chance you get. Just keep listening to things on The Verge uh, and on Recode. Uh, go on iTunes. You can search for them all. Rate them, review them, tell, them, tell people uh, about them, ask people to listen to them. Just generally help us market these podcasts. That's what, it's, it's your task for the week. Tweet at Agitpie. Help us. Uh, get podcast listens. I think you'll like it. Uh, five stars. Five stars. And five everything. stars. We accept no less. Uh, you can also tweet at us. We love your feedback. Walt is at yeah. Walt Mossberg. I am at Reckless. Uh, we love particularly when you tweet us intros. Uh, I got to start reminding people to tweet us intros during the week, but tweet us intros. I love reading them. I love the jokes you guys all come up with. Uh, so do that and give us feedback on this. I know you've all been talking to Walt about his column already, so keep doing that. And we will see you next week. Thanks a lot, Walt. Thanks a lot, Neelai. Thank you.